Welcome to Develop Lex, a middle tech production hosted by me, Weston Lockhart, Ross Boggess, and Evan Knowles. This series will focus on the ins and outs of real estate development and investing, where we'll have the opportunity to sit down with developers of our cities, veterans of the industry, and key people that have over time made a massive impact on communities and neighborhoods. The purpose of this series is to be able to bring a knowledge base to our audience beyond that of what reading a book or watching a how-to video ever could, and educate from those who have done it by hearing their stories, both good and bad, along the way. We feel that historically the learnings of real estate have been inaccessible without being connected, and we would love to open the doors to the next generation of doers, as well as shine a light on how visions of community have been brought to life. We hope you enjoy. Before diving in, we'll get a quick word from our sponsors. All right, before we get into our ad reads, uh, we have an opportunity for you to get a free cup of coffee, a $5 Starbucks gift card. Um, We want to know what our audience wants and what we can do better. Uh, So we are attaching a link to a survey. Um, And if you fill out said survey, then you will get a $5 Starbucks gift card. But this is all helpful information that you can uh, fill out and tell us what kind of things we can do better, what kind of media you're consuming, what you want from us, all those kind of things, all helpful things uh, to grow, develop Lex. And we are going to give you a $5 Starbucks gift card um, to fill it out. So make sure to put your email at the end and uh, we'll get you a $5 Starbucks gift card. DevelopLex is sponsored by SVN Stone Commercial Real Estate, a full-service commercial real estate firm located in Lexington, Kentucky, affiliated with the SVN International Network, which is comprised of over 1,600 advisors and staff and 200-plus offices across the globe. The SVN Stone team consists of experienced commercial real estate advisors in the heart of the bluegrass. SVN provides commercial real estate services to large corporations, middle market businesses, and individual entrepreneurial investors. Serving the greater Lexington area, SVN offers advisory services for sales, leasing, management, and development of commercial properties locally, regionally, and nationally. With transaction volume of over $400 million, the advisors at SVN Stone Commercial Real Estate have vast experience and deep understanding of all aspects of commercial real estate. We are also sponsored by Community Trust Bank. Community Trust offers a wide variety of home loans, commercial loans, and small business loans to suit your financial needs, as well as mobile banking, internet banking, and bill pay. Their friendly and professional staff would love to assist you at one of their six Lexington locations. Community Trust Bank is committed to building communities built on trust. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. DevelopLex is sponsored by Rapid Fire Investments. Rapid Fire Investments provides access to off-market, distressed, and discounted real estate opportunities in the Central Kentucky area. If you're an investor or looking to invest in Central Kentucky, check out their website at rapidfireinvestments.com to see a list of their available deals. Welcome back to Develop Lex. You have today Weston Lockhart and Ross Boggess sitting in this studio at Awesome Inc. with Ralph Coldiron. We were sitting here beforehand trying to figure out exactly how to introduce Ralph um, (laughs) because he's been been around town in so many capacities for a very long time. I would come up, I would deem the term Chief Lexingtonian uh, based off of just You're very kind. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the stuff he's been involved in. Uh, Ralph has been in a ton of different capacities around the city and has been influential in the growth of Lexington. So I'll let him somewhat introduce himself, um, but welcome on, Ralph. 
Thank you, guys. Really appreciate you having me in. But first, let me say I've been married to Susan for 42 years. I've got three grown kids, Christopher, um, Lori, and, and Katie, and three grandchildren. So we've been very, very blessed to be in Lexington for these past 42 years. But real quick, I know we've got a little bit of time, but I'll give you an overview of how this all happened. When I graduated from Eastern Kentucky University, I got a job in Hazard, Kentucky with the Kentucky River Area Development District, which is a development district. There's 15 in the state. And I was assigned to develop a housing program for an eight-county area, which I knew nothing about. Make a long story short, I started looking into grants, Appalachian Regional Commission, Economic Development Administration, but also Kentucky Housing Corporation. Very quickly, I met Lynn Lou Allen, who then was the executive director. He was very responsive and knew that we needed housing in eastern Kentucky, and he gave us several grants, and I did several projects uh, throughout the eight-county area. And I just happened to be sitting at my desk in, in Hazard, and he says, uh, Lynn Lou Allen called me and said, uh, I want to open an office in eastern Kentucky for the Kentucky Housing Corporation, and you're going to be the new executive director. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, Lynn, you've kind of surprised me. He says, there's no surprise. You know, uh, you pick out your office space. We'll negotiate a salary, but I need to get going. Can you go to work in, in next month? And so I said, sure, why not? Make a long story short, I was in a hazard in four year doing the Kentucky Housing Corporation, building projects all over eastern Kentucky. And finally, he said, you're going to become a full-fledged deputy director, come to Frankfurt and you're going to be with me in Frankfurt. So went to Frankfurt, and as soon as I got there, Lynn says, your first project is you're going to be in charge of, we just issued $700 million in bonds through the legislature, and you're going to be in charge of the multifamily housing building project in the state, which you have to build 14,000 multifamily housing units in a year and a half. Oh my God. I said, okay, boss, not a problem. Make another long, short story. Things went really well, big success. Uh, made a, Kentucky Housing Corporation made a name for themselves, and we got all those units built. And at, about that time, a guy by the name who's passed away now, Webby Pratt, and I coupled the Kentucky Housing Corporation money with a lot of Appalachian Regional Commission and EDA money to do infrastructure like water, sewer, grading, things of that sort to, to get the multifamily units started. And Wibby says, we need a new director of economic development for the state, and uh, Governor Carroll wants to appoint you. And I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to work at the development cabinet as a deputy director, and Bill Short was secretary of development, and I started building industrial sites, courthouses, firehouses, police departments, water and sewer lines. Luckily, the legislature gave us a lot of seed money that we matched with other federal agencies. And like I said, we were building first in eastern Kentucky, then all over the state. And uh, right after that, Governor Brown got elected. I transitioned in, into the Brown administration and was uh, in the same role as economic development director. And all of a sudden, I was going home one afternoon and I got home and Susan says, uh, a guy by the name of Wallace Wilkinson left a message for you and wants you to call him. And I said, who's Wallace Wilkinson? <laughs> Making a long story short, I called Wallace. He said, Ralph, I'm, I've heard about you. I've, 
I'd like to have dinner with you. And he, I said, when do you want to have dinner? He says, can you come tonight? And I said, sure. He says, come to my house. We're going to sit on, on the patio by the pool and we're going to talk. And Wallace outlined his dream of becoming a national developer and wanting to build a development company. But of course, at then, Wallace, what Wallace College Book Company was the third largest college book company in the nation. Wow. So it was doing very well. You know, th- that was the seed money b- behind Wilkinson Enterprises. And so we started, and uh, right off the bat, he says, I want to build uh, a, an office building. Let's start with an <coughs> office building downtown, which is right down the street, 489 uh, East Main Street. He says, let's start there. And I, we built that. Compton Hacker was our contractor. And then uh, Don and Dudley Webb approached Wallace about uh, the Radisson and the Radisson office building as a joint venture. So uh, I was representing Wallace when we started Vine Center and building that, which we had to have finished for the NCAA tournament in 1984. But at the same time, Wallace was developing coal mines. Uh, we were do- He was buying banks like crazy. I think we bought like eight banks while I was working for him. And things were just busting at the seams. I mean, we were... And, of course, it was easy for us because Wallace had a helicopter and had two planes. So, <laughs> so you know, it, it was kind of fun. You know, I'd call the airport and say, uh, I'm, I'm going to be taking the helicopter to Louisville this afternoon for an hour meeting, then we're coming back. You know, that, that, you know, and here I am, 24, 25 years old, saying, yeah, oh we're, we're going to go jump on the helicopter and go to Louisville. So worked for Wallace, and, and we got the, the Vine Center project done. And I, one day Dudley Webb called me and said um, – we're taking the web companies national and, you know, we liked, you know, our partnership with you while we were building Vine Center. We want you to come to work for the web companies. I said, okay, not a problem. You know, Whitesburg boys, I grew up with them, knew them well, and all of our families knew each other and uh, went to work at the webs and really became engrossed with revitalizing downtown. And Dudley kind of said, Ralph, you're going to be in charge. I'm going to be help. I'm going to be part of the dream. Don and I were going to be part of the dream, but just these are going to be your babies. And the first project was Lexington Financial Center, the 30-story blue building downtown. And I'll tell one funny story about that because we were sitting in the web company's office in Vine Center with a big conference room. There was like 20 around the table of the architects, the engineers, Don and Dudley. And we were trying to decide on picking the color of the glass for the really? tower. And so anyway, we went around the room, and we had two samples, green and blue. And so it went around the room, all the way around the room, and it was like 17 green, and we got to Charlie Barnhart, who was one of the lead architects and myself, and Charlie said, I vote for blue, and I said, I'm with Charlie, I vote for blue. (laughs) And Don and Dully were sitting there, and it's 17 to 2, and they get the two final votes. And Don and, and Dudley look at it and says, blue. <laughs> so so uh, it, it became uh, the big blue building. And as we started to design the building, you know, we, one of the big additions was adding and keeping it secret, the neon light on top of the building. And so the day that we topped the building off, we lit the neon light on top of the building. The phones went crazy. Everybody was calling the webcam. We can't believe it. We can't. We love the. We love the blue light. Da 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 da. That was fun building that project. Uh, 
Victorian Square, Festival Market, 489 East, well, no, that was Wilkinson's project, uh, the Woodlands Condominiums, the Chamber of Commerce building, um, several other projects that I did downtown. But at the same time, the webs were expanding and going throughout the U.S. Developers, we did projects in San Francisco. We did a condominium project in downtown New York, North Carolina, Florida, Texas. And so it was growing exponentially. I mean, we became the third largest real estate developer in the country at the time. Oh, my gosh. And uh, we had, like I said, we had limos, we had planes. And so it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was uh, kind of funny. I was sitting in my office on the 30th floor of the financial center, and I picked up the phone, and Sandy Varellis, who then was the county judge executive, says, uh, what are you doing, Ralph? I said, just sitting here, judge, thinking, working on another project. She says, can I come and see you? And I said, sure, what's up? She says, well, wait until I get there. She walks in my office, and, and uh, she says, uh, Lona's, I'm not going to say any names, but the former sheriff was going to get indicted, and she needed an interim sheriff to take over the sheriff's department. And I said, well, I don't think Don and Dudley is going to like that. And she says, well, I've already talked to them. They said, I can borrow you. <laughs> <laughs> I became the uh, Fayette County Sheriff. It was That was really a, a trying six months because the very first day after I was sworn in the office, I had to fire 15 deputies who, after working for the former sheriff, uh, had indictments or had uh, some issues. Uh, and so I had to fire those 15 and very quickly uh, restructure a sheriff's office that was in, in disarray. And uh, and it, it, that's probably one of the most rewarding jobs I've ever had in my life, working at the sheriff's department. One of the things, when I walked in that door, there was something like uh, a little over 15,000 warrants that hadn't been served. There was problems with uh, prisoner transfers across the board. Very quickly, I went to a two-platoon system. We started working basically 24 hours a day. By the time I left, uh, all warrants had been served. We had a great sheriff's office. And at the time, I appointed Kathy Witt as my communications director, now who's been sheriff for the last 24 years. So hopefully we we left the team I put together there, left a great foundation for Kathy to take over and, and build a great sheriff. To, and she's been recognized as one of the outstanding sheriffs in America. So right after that, I went back to uh, the webs and started looking at doing other projects. And then uh, it was kind of interesting, a company called Gray Construction moved into the big blue building. And uh, I just so happened to be uh, in charge of getting them moved into the building. And Things were going fine, and one day, hired Gray. We were on the elevator together, and he says, uh, let's have lunch. I'd like to talk to you. And I said, great, I'd love to. Next couple of days, we get together, have lunch, and he says, we're thinking about building a new national headquarters. And he said, we think you're the guy that needs to do it. <laughs> so I said, and I knew Gray was an up-and-coming company, and, uh, and I said, okay, I'd been at web companies for nine years and and uh, and I'd done everything Don and Dudley asked me to do and so 
moved over to Gray and uh, started planning their new, their new corporate headquarters, which we first thought we were going to build on Harrisburg Road, but then we decided to stay downtown. Spent another nine years at Gray Construction, and uh, I became director of business development for Gray. My job was to recruit clients that could use the design build services of Gray Construction. And during that time, I became engrossed in the Japanese business. And Hideo Ito, who was our Japanese director, and I became very good friends, and I became part of the Japanese development team. And during that time, those nine years, I was able to travel to Japan a little over 30 times. And of course, Gray, when I first went to work for them, they were a $40 million company. And then um, when I left, they were a little over $390 million company. So anyway, uh, I'm sitting at Gray, and uh, I had built a distribution center for, let me think of the company. It wasn't the Gap, but I did all the Gap distribution centers. His name was Jerome Sims. He was out in New York, and he says, um, Tommy Hilfiger. He was head of Tommy Hilfiger. And he says, uh, it's Jerome. I said, Jerome, what are you doing, man? He says, I'm in town. You want to have dinner tonight? I said, you're in town? What are you doing in town? He says, go to dinner tonight, and I'll tell you. So we go to dinner. It was me, Jerome, Arnie Cohen. I'm having another one of these. I won't mention another name, but he said, uh, we're, we're getting ready to do a big stock sale. We're going to grow this company. It's going to be uh, an icon in the world. And, and I said, who are we talking? He said, I knew John Peter. He says, J. Peterman Company. And I said, okay. And John told me about the catalog company and, and what they're going to do. But the plan for J. Peterman was to build two distribution centers, one in the west, one in the east. And then, through the catalog business, opened nine retail stores throughout the United States. And I started that. The first one was in New York, in Manhattan, and went from New York to uh, the Florida, the Texas, the Seattle, the San Francisco, all in these mega malls, building these huge retail stores. And then... Unfortunately, the uh, the brick fell, and Jay Peterman and the concept didn't work very well, and everybody went different directions. So yeah. that stock and all that money that was promised, I never saw a penny of it. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Wow. Did you get a trench coat? I did get a trench coat. <laughs> in fact, it's hanging in my basement. <laughs> That's funny. That, and then it goes on and on. I. I did a stint with a national developer out of uh, Dallas, Texas, and stayed with that for a couple of years. Came back home, started Cold Iron Oil Company, and and uh, my wife and I have been in the fuel business for a little over 20 years and got five employees and deliver about 200,000 gallons of fuel around central Kentucky every, every month. Now I'm at Lexington Insurance Agency in the Lane Report. So... It's a small world, and and Kevin and I had gotten be gotten to be friends a long, long time ago, and, and so he's he had just bought the Lane Report in Lexington Insurance Agency. He says, "I need some help. Can you come over and, and let's work together?" And, I, and it's been it's been fun helping grow both of those businesses. So that that's that's a brief outline. <laughs> brief, yeah. I skipped over the World Equestrian Games and Rolex Three Day events. The well, those, those, those were big all brother, big sisters. Well. <laughs> 
and Al, Al, there's a good story. Alan Stein calls me and says, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> and everybody says, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. What's up? He goes, uh, and this shows you my relationship with Gray. He says, big brothers, big sisters are getting ready to go bankrupt. He says, I need for you to come take over the organization and, and try to help us get it back on its feet. And I, I said, okay, I'll help. Went over there, had a great staff, a lot of dedicated people that, that put numerous and long hours in the serving uh, children in central Kentucky. And we were going on our last $10,000 in the bank account. And I had called Gray Construction and through my contacts there and said, because I knew they had a grant program, make a long story short, uh, they came to us and gave us a $50,000 grant that basically helped Big Brothers Big Sisters survive until we got into a cycle with some other folks coming on board. And, of course, Big Brothers Big Sisters is doing very well now. But you mentioned the, the World Equestrian Games. I was d- director of logistics for the World Equestrian Games. And, and of course, I've been part of the, the Rolex three-day event now, which is the Land Rover three-day event, I think I'm going on my 37th year uh, with that event, and we've gone from um, what I would call a a small equestrian event for three-day eventers now to uh, one of only four five-star events in the world. Wow! So uh, the Land Rover three-day event is has become a staple in the equestrian competition throughout the world. And we get world-class riders from, I think last year we had 33 different countries that came to the Land Rover. And and it's continually, you know, we had that bad year in 2019 during the pandemic, which no spectators were allowed, only the competitors, which we survived through that, and now we're back on solid financial ground and going again. So, but probably where my heart is in all of this, I've been on the Kentucky Children's Hospital for a little bit over 30 years. And so when I first got on the committee, uh, it was just a committee. And uh, Joy Hembry, who was a staple in this community, an icon in this community, asked me to be a part of it. And we started planning for, at that time, it was UK Hospital, Albert Chandler Hospital. and But we saw the need for a children's hospital in Lexington that could serve central and eastern Kentucky. And so we started going out and putting our tentacles through all, all through the eastern and central Kentucky, raising money to try to build a children's hospital. And we got to that point where we, Joey Hembry finally organized a fundraising committee where, and we had architects on board and Chandler committed the fourth floor of the old hospital as the children's hospital. So we had a place, we finally came up with the renovation cost, which is $5 million to begin the hospital. Kathy Plowman, who now is a council person, and I were the co-chairs of that committee that raised the first $5 million that built the Children's Hospital. And that hospital now has grown to be one of of the top, and I'll say top, children's hospital in the eastern part of the United States. Uh, Some of the folks that we've been able to attract 
some of the specialists has been incredible. And I think we've got a lot more exciting news in the future about the Children's Hospital. Hopefully in the next month or so, uh, we'll be able to talk about some really unbelievable things that's going to happen with the Children's Hospital. Because right now, we have been at capacity for the last six months. And for the first time in the history of the Children's Hospital, with emergencies coming from all over the state to the Children's Hospital, we've had to do referrals mm. where we did not have the capacity in the emergency room or the hospital to take these patients, which breaks our heart. It, that's never happened before. So it, it even shows us the importance of laying the groundwork to build a new children's hospital. And we've got some ideals That's and great. Uh, some things that we're working on, and hopefully they'll come to fruition and, and we'll make that happen, which is which is sorely, sorely needed. That's a, I mean, that's incredible. I, there's a few different themes that I would <laughs> love to touch on from you talking. First is, one, how did you have so much time to do these things? Because we all only have 24 hours in a day. But Let me say this. I have the most patient wife in the world <laughs> because it's just like the night I'd forgotten, but I had to call her and said, a guy that's been at the urban County government for 35 years, his 75th birthday, and nobody was going to take him out tonight. So I got a bunch of guys. And we're going to take him out and celebrate his 75th birthday. So it's just little things like that, that I can do that, that to make people's life a little bit brighter and she'll eat dinner without me and, and it'll be my turn to walk the dog when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's incredible. And then my my second question would be the recurring theme that I noticed in all of those things are the, that these people, you know, called you or reached out to you. How do you feel like you put yourself in those positions to where people would reach out to you? And what, what qualities do you think that you possess? I know you're going to say in a humble way, whatever quality it may be, but what, what quality do you think you possess that people gravitated towards? Well, the number one quality, growing up in Whitesburg, Kentucky, coal town, and depending totally upon the coal industry, some of my really good friends when I was growing up barely had clothes to put on their back. And luckily, the Combs family in, in Whitesburg, uh, my grandfather was a very successful businessman, and, and so and all the children, except for one, all lived in Whitesburg. So growing up uh, in Whitesburg, seeing people that didn't have very much, and we were fortunate that we had homes and we had food to put on the table. Uh, but also, my grandmother, who instilled in me, uh, she had this huge house. And every Sunday morning, every home, and believe it or not, Whitesburg had a lot of homeless people, a lot of unemployed coal miners, a lot of poor families whose fathers had been injured in the mines and did not have any type of supplemental income. They would come to my grandmother's house on Sunday morning, and she always cooked. It was a family tradition. We, we'd eat at her dining room table, which, which sat 20, and but she would cook for 100. And all, all the sisters and her would get up 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and, and cook all this food, and then she would feed out of the back door all these homeless people in Weisberg. Mm. So she kind of instilled in me that you might have something and you might be fortunate enough. But remember, those are a lot of people that are not as fortunate as you. 
And if you're not willing to give to those who are less fortunate than you, then you're not a real person. Mm. You don't have a heart. And my grandmother Combs instilled, instilled in me that piece of my heart. Unfortunately, I stop on Main Street. If I see somebody in need, I'll stop and get out out of my car and say, what do you need? How can I help you? And unfortunately, I give a lot of $5 bills away on people downtown. (laughs) (laughs) I should mention my grandmother, Cold Iron, uh, which she was the longest elected official in Harlan County history. She was a circuit court clerk uh, for 24 years. And my grandfather, Combs, was sheriff of Letcher County for two terms and sheriff in Letcher County. But anyway, when I would go to visit with my grandmother, Cold Iron, and I'd, I'd go to her office. And uh, and so after work, when we would go home, we would come down what they call National Avenue and kind of the main street of Harlan. There would always be four or five people sitting there thumbing, what we call thumbing back then, didn't have rides from the coal mines to go home. My grandmother would put me, I would usually in the back seat, she'd put me in the front seat, and there'd be three or four guys in the back seat, and she'd drive them home. Really? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was brought up, don't ever think that you're not big enough to step down and help somebody that's less fortunate than you. Hmm. That's pretty incredible. To me, you know, I think a lot of people probably gravitated towards you because they saw those kind of qualities. Well, not that you're shooting for that. Well, there's one other thing I haven't mentioned that uh, probably was one of what I would call one of the funnest jobs I've ever had in my life. And that was uh, my friend Bob Babbage called me one day and he said, I've just got through with uh, advanced school for President Carter and Vice President Mondale and they're looking for good people. Do you you think you want to do this? I said, sure. Went to advanced school in Washington uh, for a couple of weeks and got certified to be a senior advanced person for uh, Vice President Mondale and President Carter and, of course, Things heated up very quickly because we were going into the into the election years, but I will. There was one memorable trip that I did for the vice president that really sticks out. So we were, were sitting in the east wing of the White House having a staff meeting, and so anyway, Vice President Mondale had made the decision to run for president, and so uh, the chief of staff was. We were all in the room. There was about forty of us. He says, "We need to road into Alabama." We got to get a road into Alabama. Does anybody know anybody in Alabama? <laughs> Ralph does. <laughs> I raised my hand, and the chief of staff says, "Ralph, who do you know?" Oh, no, he goes, uh, "What's your name again?" <laughs> Ralph Coldart, senior advanced person, Kentucky. He says, "Who do you know?" I says, "Hezekiah Wagstaff." He goes, "Who?" Hezekiah Wagstaff. He says, "Who's that?" I said. That's the chief press person for Governor Wallace. And, of course, he says a couple expletives, like, (laughs) I don't believe you. (laughs) He says, okay, let's see, Cold Iron, do you have a phone number for him? I said, sure. I've talked to him a couple times. We stay in touch. And and Hezekiah was an African-American, obviously. So, anyway, I called Hezekiah up. You know, this was a hand phone back then. And I said, the vice president wants to come down and meet with Governor Wallace. And he goes, you're BSing me. I said, no, he really does. He wants to come and meet with Governor Wallace and talk to him about him running for president. He calls him back the next couple of days. He says, the governor wants to see him. 
make a long story short, I'm the senior advanced person. I go down there three days before, get everything set up. Air Force Two lands. I meet the vice president. He comes out of the plane. We go to the Capitol and um, handshakes. And, of course, Governor Wallace is in a wheelchair and all the introductions and things of that sort. And so anyway, it was time for them to talk about the presidential race. And so the chief of staff for, for Vice President uh, Mondale, the chief of staff for Governor Wallace, and we're all going in together. And Governor Wallace says, Hezekiah, cold iron, I want you all in this meeting. So we got to go into the meeting. And, and of course, we were in the back, but we got to listen to probably the highest political stake conversation back then in, in, in the presidential race. And make a long story short, Governor Wallace came out of that meeting and uh, shook hands with the Vice President Mondale and, and supported him for president. Yeah. So on my wall at home, I've got a picture that Governor Wallace sent me that basically basically says, Ralph, this would have never happened without you. Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> so, we, need, we definitely need a picture of that for yeah. social media <laughs> for this episode. So you've done a million different things. You've been in so many different capacities of development and really outside of real estate, you've done pretty much everything. The capacity that I know you in is you're the downtown Lexington guy. You're the Lexington guy. Why is Lexington a special place to you or why has it been? Well, because I've been here for 42 years. Don and Dudley, uh, well, Wallace gave me the opportunity to get involved with the development. And that stepping stone allowed me to go to work for the webs, go to work for the grays, and in each of those stepping stones, I've been able to elevate myself and my family to make Lexington our home. Whitesburg will always be my home in my heart. But we've put a stake here, and all of our children have gone to school here. And talking about the Children's Hospital, it's something that's very important, to not only Lexington, but the entire state. This is home now. I would do anything that is reasonable and accomplishing and accomplishable to help get it done. Hmm. Just like being Santa Claus <laughs> <laughs> for the Christmas parade. That's, uh, you know, they need somebody <clears throat> to go out there and freeze their butt off. Yeah, I'll call cold iron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that, that's a great story there. So I think it's about time for us to recirculate a video that was put out in 1983 when... No. <laughs> when, when, when we were building World Coal Center. And, and, and you said, uh, when they asked what you thought about downtown growth, you said, I think you'll see a part of the old that maintains the history of Lexington, but I think you'll see a little new. There's got to be continued growth of downtown. Without growth, I think we've had in the past, it'll slowly die out. That prediction has come true. It has. That's, I think somebody could say that exact same thing in 2022. And... I'd be interested to to know, because you can contextualize everything that downtown has been to where you hope it's going. What do you hope it looks like in another 40 years? Well, one thing I need to mention, one of the things that I was fortunate of, I didn't mention, I was chief of staff for Mayor Scotty Basler. So I, I got to see how we could strengthen the public financing side of doing projects with private investments. But to answer your question, We've got an issue in Fayette County that I don't know whether it's, it's solvable or not. That is, we've got uh, very little developable land left because we are surrounded by green space and horse farms, 
And if you look at, uh, statistically speaking, there's only 14,000 developable acres left in Fayette County right now. We have not expanded our urban service center in the last 10 years. We, we've got a serious issue that we have to address. Are we going to be happy? Because if you go out into, and I'll, I'll give an example, because in, in, on Harrisburg Road, we live in Firebrook, but we have just had two new developments developed within a quarter of a mile of our house. One is a Chick-fil-A on Harrisburg Road. And part of that Chick-fil-A development is 20 houses that have been built all over $800,000, no backyards, no front yards, and there's zero lot lines. So there's only 15 feet between the houses. So, and now there's another development on Harrisburg Road that's getting ready to start on 52 acres, and they're getting ready to develop a, on that 52 acres, 225 townhomes. So we're running out of developable land. We haven't updated our comprehensive plan. So Fayette County is facing some serious issues about development and growth. We've got a resurgent, vibrant downtown. We've got businesses that want to come to Lexington. But also those businesses, our chief financial stability is our real estate taxes. Our government costs continually grow up. And our limited accessibility to to having more taxes. So where does it stop? Where do we run into that problem that there's not enough money to fund government to run Fayette County? Hmm. Sounds like you need to be appointed to mayor. (laughs) Is that the next one? (laughs) Uh, It's a real dilemma because uh, with not having updated our comprehensive plan in the last 10 years, we, uh, there's a lot of people in Fayette County that's got a no-growth mentality, and then there's a lot of people that have, you've got to continue to grow. If, if you're not growing, you're dying. And there's a lot of people that have invested millions, if not billions of dollars in this community wanting to know that growth continues to spur development that continues to pay off the investments that these people made in building infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, I guess that brings us to our next point of it's always a riff between do you grow out or do you grow in? Where's the next there, parts of Lexington? There's, there's only two two things available to us. You either grow out or grow up. So up means larger multifamily housing units, just like the townhome project I just mentioned on Harrisburg Road, 225 mm-hmm. units. That's going up on a small parcel. So that's our only alternative is to go up and not out. We're surrounded by wonderful horse farms that is part of our heritage, and that's never going to be sacrificed. But I think uh, the challenge for our leaders, our council, uh, is to look at how do we look at non-usable land and make it usable. Hmm. I know that's, that's easy for me to say. It's very hard to understand and make plausible, but it can be done. But it takes it takes a whole town working together to make that happen. And sometimes with our de- decisiveness between up and out and owner of horse farms, it makes it a very uh, contentious issue in Fayette County. Yeah. Well, an example is, look what Toyota 
has done for Scott County. And I can't tell you how many people that I talk to today that work in Fayette County now have bought houses in Scott County. Mm-hmm. One, it's affordable. Two, it's great subdivisions. Three, it's great developments. And so a lot of folks that we need in our tax base are migrating to the counties around us mm-hmm. and willing to put that 30-minute, 45-minute commute because we've got a great road network and New Circle Road and everything like that. I wouldn't be surprised in this next census that our population, I think we're supposed to grow something like 2.7% uh, in the next five years. I wouldn't be surprised if that number is less than 1%. Really? Just because there's nowhere else for new residents there, to go? There, there, there's no place to go. Affordably, at least. Affordable, yeah. When you look at that little development on Harrisburg Road next to Firebrook, and all 24 houses are selling for $800,000 with no yards Yeah. next to a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah. So from your perspective, speaking to somebody who's 25 or 26, like Ross and I, what would you encourage us to, what would you encourage us to do if we're passionate about the growth of our city and sustainable living and affordable housing? What are actionable steps that we could even take? Uh, get to know who your council person is. That's the first thing I would do. And be vocal to that council person about your views, about where you want Lexington to be and how you want it to grow. Uh, because right now, that governing body oversees all of our zoning, all of our growth, our transportation network, all comes through the urban county government. And there's a lot of people that have gotten vocal with our council, and there's a lot more people becoming more involved in confronting our council about these issues. And and we've seen it in this mayoral race and council races. I think people know what the problems are. Solving these problems is, is the issue we're going to face in the next five, 10 years. Hmm. Well, Ralph, we really appreciate you coming on today. And again, well, thank you. It's a, it's great. Nice meeting you. Uh, and of course, I can't, you know, Ross and I go way back and, and uh, I, I could tell you, you know, we need to thank Ross because he's become involved in a lot of things hap- that he's helped make happen downtown and, and has contributed a lot to, to making our downtown a better place. But thank you for having me today. Yeah. Let's keep working together as a team to, to grow our community and make this place a great place for our families to grow up and our children to have their children and their children to have their children and uh, and go forward.